All right, so I'm not done yet. I still got some more stuff to say. Is that okay? Can I say some more stuff? Alan, yeah, yay. Alan, um, Alan asked me if I would take a moment and, and, and talk to you guys about transitions because that's really what we're celebrating this morning. Our students are, are making this huge transition in, in life. They're, they're leaving high school onto that next phase of their life. And transitions are important because the truth is, church, we all experience transitions. We, we, we know that. We all go through seasons where, you know, you left elementary school to middle school and it was a, a tough transition. You go from middle school to high school, high school to college, high school to a job. You go from single to being married, a married couple to suddenly having children. You, you, you move jobs, you move across this country, you, you move into a new neighborhood or you move into a new home. We all experience transitions and it would be wise, church, if we learned to guard those transitions. Those moments in our life where we're leaving one thing behind, walking into something new. And here's why it's so important, church, that we learn to, to guard the transitions that we find ourselves in. The truth is, often we are vulnerable in those seasons and those times of transitions. Right, when, when you, you, you were part of a school, you had a group of friends, you knew them, they were close. These were the people that you were connected with and then suddenly you have to leave and you go to a new school and you're all alone and you feel like you lost your friend groups. You're vulnerable in that season of transition. You, you're, you're open uh, to attack. You're vulnerable in those seasons. Uh, you go as just a married couple where everything's great, dual income, no kids, life is super easy and suddenly kids are thrown in the mix and life gets harder. You never sleep ever again, right? You like... Transitions are difficult and, and we're vulnerable in those times of transitions. And it would be wise to learn how to guard our own hearts in seasons of transitions, but also to guard the hearts and the minds of our families and the students that God has entrusted us with. Um, and I wanna celebrate some of the ways as a church we've helped guard the transitions for our students. In the end, I'm gonna show you a few pictures uh, that some of the parents gave me. You know, Part of this senior recognition is the parents will send me photos. And there were a few that really stuck out to me. And I, I wanna share with them uh, share them with you at the end. But the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, God's holy nation, the one he, he chose uh, to be the nation that Jesus would come from. If you look through the history of, of Israel, you'll see that it's a nation that was constantly going through transitions. It starts with a man named Abram. He, he lives in his father's home and his father's land and God speaks to him and says, I want you to leave the land of your fathers and to pursue me into the unknown. It's a transition that he makes. Uh, from, from wandering in the unknown, they become a group of people the Israelites, they, they go to Egypt, and at first in Egypt, they are uh, partnering with the people, but eventually the, the Egyptians enslave the Israelites. They transition from freedom into servitude. And then God shows up while the nation of Israel is in Egypt, and he, he raises up Moses, and he says, Moses, it's your job to lead my people out of Egypt through this transition. He, he does miracles. He does wonders. He parts seas. And then for 40 years, the nation of Israel wanders in the transition in between captivity and the promised land, the land that God had set aside for them. This morning, I'm going to show you just a couple verses where the Israelites under a new leader named Joshua have found themselves on the border of the promised land. There is a river, all that separates them from the wilderness and the land that God promised to them is a river.
And they're going to cross this river. And God is going to show off in another miraculous way at this river, the Jordan River. He, he tells the Israelites to, to gather the Ark of the Covenant, which is the, the presence of the Lord. And the, the priests are going to step into this flowing, rushing river. And when their feet get into the river, the river parts. It separates. It, it, it pushes back. And the Israelites are going to walk across the river on dry land. It's a transition moment from captivity into the promised land. On the other side, it's the place that God promised them, but there's also a battle they're preparing to fight. But as they are preparing to walk across this river, this, this actual transition, God speaks to Joshua and he gives him wisdom that I think we should all hold on to. I want to show you this verse. It's in Joshua. It's going to be up on the screen. Joshua chapter 4, four verses 1 through 3. It says this, God is speaking to Joshua and he says, after the entire nation has finished crossing the Jordan, after all the Israelites, millions of people are going to walk across this river that has been separated and imparted for them. The Lord spoke to Joshua. He said, choose 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, and then command them, take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing and you're to carry those stones with you. You're going to set them down at the place where you spend the night. This is God's plan. The nation of Israel is walking through this, this river. It's been separated. They're walking away from the captivity. They're walking away from the wilderness. They're walking into the next phase of their journey with God. This is a massive transition. And God's plan is to go back into the river while it's still dry. One man from each tribe is to pick up a stone from the middle of a river, a stone they couldn't get from anywhere else, and carry it with them until they camped at night. And here's why he wanted them to do this. Jump down to verse 6. So that this will be a sign, these stones that they gather and they laid at the place where they camped, this will be a sign among you in the future. And when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you, you should tell them. God says, here's his plan for how we remind the next generation of how good God is, of what God has done for them and through this nation. Here's how God is planning to guard this transition. He says, gather stones and build a monument and then remind your children, your kids, your students, what God did for them. Here's how it's summing up. God is saying, don't forget what God did on the other side of the river. When you've crossed that transition period, you've gone from the wilderness into the promised land. You've gone from high school into college or middle school into high school. When you've moved into a new job or a new neighborhood, wherever God is calling you to do, God is saying, hey, it is valuable, it is important, it is wise to remember what God did on the other side of the river. And not just for ourselves, not just for the, the adults who walked across the river. He specifically says, one day your kids, they will come and ask. They'll say, what is this monument for? And he says, remember to, re, to, to remind your students, to remind your kids of all the things that God did for them. The way he brought them out of uh, Egypt, how he brought them through the wilderness, how he provided with manna, and how he led them in the daytime and at dark, how he led them to this place that was set aside for them. Don't forget what God did on the other side of the river. And this is important because the children are going to come and ask the parents and the parents are supposed to raise up the kids to lead the nation of Israel in the way that God wants them to be led. These aren't just kids who are walking across the riverbed. These are kids who are going to grow up to be the adults and the leaders and the heroes of this 
group of people. He's saying, don't just treat them like children. Remind them that God has something he's working on in them and through them and, and for them. I had someone tell me one time a piece of advice that I thought was, was really great and I want to share with you. Uh, it says this, as, as parents, as we're raising our own children, don't forget that we're not raising kids, we're raising adults, right? Our, our kids will spend most of their lives as adults. If our goal was to raise children, we'll have really old children. Like our goal was to raise them to be adults. And that's what's happening in this moment. The, the Israelites are preparing now to build monuments to help children become the adults that God wants them to be, to lead this nation. When they see this monument of stone, they're supposed to remember all the things that God did on the other side of the mountain. Church, one of the best ways you and I, we can guard the transitions for our families and for the students who are part of our church, for the seniors who are graduating, is to remind you of all the work that God did on the other side of the river, on the other side's of the transitions. Don't forget what God seniors has done in your life that have led you up to this point. Uh, so I just want to share a, a couple photos with you real quick that were really uh, meaningful to me. Uh, Katie Swilly sent me this photo. Um, that's Miss Brenda, if you guys remember Miss Brenda. But, but church, this is the first grade Bible presentation of this senior class. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm going to point them out because I think it's fun. Uh, just, just a few. But this is Paul Bezier. who's going to Georgia Tech. He just told you. This is Saxon Gallagher, who's going to the College of Charleston in West Virginia. University, sorry, of Charleston in West Virginia. Uh, Lauren Kohler, uh, Ansley, sorry, Ansley. Ansley Kohler's up there. She looks exactly the same. Her face is identical to me. Uh, Sonia Paul's over there right in front of Miss Brenda. Anna Grace Swilly is still smiling and holding her Bible up, uh, all excited. Here's why I wanted you to see that, church. Like, especially students, seniors. Like, we were there when they were in first grade and we gave them a Bible, right? Students, don't forget what God did on the other side of the river. Don't forget the times that Miss Brenda prayed for forever and y'all timed to see how long she would pray that y'all all told me about. Don't, don't forget the work that like, you know, countless volunteers have spent pouring into your lives. Don't forget what God did on the other side of the river when you were in preschool. Um, Suzanne Bezier sent me this picture. It's of, uh, it's of Paul and Dallas Mosley. They're in middle school on a trip to Toronto that Mark Paul was leading. Uh, but they're middle school students in uh, um, an airport sharing headphones, listening to music, right? We as a church, we believe enough in our students that we're sending middle schoolers across the globe to share the gospel with people and to serve people in a different country, right? Like seniors, don't forget what God did when you were on that mission trip. And he used you to share the, the faith with someone maybe who was far from God and you encountered people you never had seen before and you were fearless about your faith. Church, don't let them forget what God did on the other side of the river. Students, don't forget what God did before this transition into that next step of life. Here's the last photo. Uh, this is just from summer camp last year. Uh, and I love summer camp so much. Uh, summer camp is one of the most meaningful moments in uh, student ministry, what we do. It's, it's a time for all of us to step away and to just focus on God. And every student who goes will say, like, man, it was so worth it. It was so valuable. There was something deep and something meaningful that happened. And so many of our graduating seniors, y'all were on these trips. There are countless photos and countless T-shirts and countless leaders who have loved you guys and prayed for you guys and poured into all of you. Students, don't forget what God did on the other side of the river. Church, don't forget what God did on the other side of the river. He, he told the leaders, the parents of the Israelites, it was their job to remind the kids. Church, it's our job to remind the students of all that God has done for them. And speaking of transitions, Alan's here to take over for me. So <laughs> Alan's well, going to take over. We, uh, 
We appreciate these students. Um, it's, it's interesting that two youth ministers are up here talking about trying to teach people to grow up. <laughs> but uh, we'll just yeah. let it go. I love it. So we are in a family series, right? We've been talking about the way that family is complicated. And last week, students, you'll probably agree with this, that we observed that a lot of times the culture is kind of toxic, that there was maybe a time when we could trust that the school would help us out, that the government would help us out, that, that the entertainment industry would sort of self-govern, that adults would act like adults, and, and that's not so much the case anymore. Families have always been dysfunctional. Go back to Genesis. Families have not been okay from the very beginning, and, and we need each other in this way. And so we talked about last week how language shapes our culture, how the, the best hope that we can have are spirit-filled families who mutually love each other, mutually serve each other. And we talked about how it's still complicated. Next week, I'll talk about moms and dads and husbands and wives and, and, and all of that, Mother's Day. This week I want to talk a little bit about the students, or at least I want to kind of let that be the context of what I talk about, because Brian said it right, we're all in transition of some kind, right? We've got some college graduates in here. Can I see your hands if you're graduating from college? All right, trade school, got a Microsoft certificate at work. <clears throat> Lots of transitions, right? Our, our very own Gary McIntyre, who is our IT guy and our digital pastor, he will receive a doctorate in ministry from Liberty University on Thursday night of this week. Yeah, good Gary. He's watching us somewhere in this building. So these transitions are not just for the high school graduates. Therefore, those of you who are struggling with a job change, a transition, those of you who are struggling with a, a marriage or struggling with a kid or struggling with a corporate move or perhaps anticipating some other uh, uh, transition in your life, my mom passed away uh, about a year ago. And these, these transitions are where we are in families all the time, and sometimes we, we don't really acknowledge that the Bible speaks to those transitions, and that a lot of times they're complicated, and they're emotional. This is, uh, you guys won't understand why your parents are crying. You're, you're crying because you're not ever going to see your friends again, and You'll live without them, but the, uh, sorry, you, uh, uh, it is an emotional time to watch these milestones. Living in a family just, it doesn't follow a blueprint. It's not the same for everybody. And so one of the phrases that we kind of use around here, last week I told you one of the phrases that kind of guides our staff development, language shapes culture. We talk about this all the time around our office. We want to make sure that the babies who are in the nursery right now, that we anticipate when they are going to migrate to become toddlers 
when everybody's doing the locomotion and they, they get to be uh, uh, mobile and then we want to guard the transition for toddlers to preschool and preschool to grade school and grade school to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, young adults, middle adults, senior adults. We, we, we want to guard the transitions well to help families grieve when a loved one passes away. We guard the transitions here. We think it's a very important thing for us as a church to, to walk families through the lifeline. Brian, I, I thought that was crazy good that, that we get to see that we gave Bibles to these, that we probably dedicated some of them when they were tiny, that we will maybe be here for their wedding, that maybe we'll be a church that they can come back to when corporate uh, places them here in Atlanta. We want to be that church for the entire generation. We want to guard the transitions. But here's the deal. It's not always predictable. It's not always fun. But lives' transitions are opportunities to trust God more and to live in new ways. But here's an observation. Transitions are inevitable, expected, and difficult. We guard the transitions. We do not guarantee them. Let me stay here for just a minute, because transitions kind of land on all of us at some time or other. Uh, it, it's probably pretty accurate to say that either you are coming out of a transition, you are in a transition, or you are about to be in one. We talked about that with change. Either you've been through a crisis, you're in a crisis, or you're about to be in a crisis. That's, that's just doing life. And so as we migrate from one transition to the other, like, like Brian said, we're not trying to raise children. We're trying to raise children to be adults. We, we're trying to raise children to be leaders. We, we don't anticipate that, that all of you are just going to stagnate once you get to college. We, we, we think you're going to change the world. And so this, this idea of guarding the transitions, I, I, it's, it's, it's for all of us, guard the transition at work, guard the transition in the home, guard the transition in the neighborhood. You're moving to a new place, you're taking a new job, something crazy's going on, guard that transition. I don't know why this is so sappy for me. It, it's possible, I'll see your pictures and match you, raise you one. It's possible that because this little guy, the one without the beard, is going to turn three on Tuesday. And Judy and I went out there to uh, Dallas this weekend to, uh, uh, to see him and kind of have our version of his birthday. Uh, and, and we went to a Texas Rangers Atlanta Braves game there at the Globe Life Park in Arlington, his first major league baseball game, tried to help him know how to be a good baseball fan. But it gets kind of sappy when you think, how do I prepare the way for him? What is it that I need to teach him? What does the Scripture say that I need to pour into his life? What do I need to pour into students' lives? Students, you're, 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 you're sort of walking across the stage now, but there are juniors behind you and sophomores and freshmen and first graders getting their Bibles this year. What is it that we need to do as a church? What is it we need to teach them? How do we internalize some lessons? Well, if you go all the way back to the Scripture, there's a, a kind of a fascinating uh, transition. Brian told you the end of the story there with Joshua in Joshua chapter 4, but before him was his mentor, Moses. 
And before Moses was a guy named Joseph, whatever his name is. Joseph was about 400 years before Moses. And the reason I put his name up there is that the transition between Joseph and Moses was not handled well. It was awful. Joseph did a great job. He was actually the sort of the chief of staff for Pharaoh, and he basically ran Egypt, all of the agriculture, all of the economy. He pretty much was the government. And somehow, in the 400 years that followed him, by the time Moses came on the scene, the prince of Egypt, the Hebrews were in slavery. All of a sudden, they weren't important anymore. They were making bricks for the pyramids. And in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, perhaps there is a, a, a clue there. It says, for there arose a new Pharaoh, a new leader in the land who didn't know Joseph. He hadn't heard of him. The, the, there wasn't a leader behind Joseph. There wasn't anybody prepared. There wasn't, there wasn't a sense of guarding that transition. And so 400 years later, God appoints Moses on the scene, and he is the one who helps them to leave Egypt, heading for the place that we now call Israel. And his story is all the way through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. And then we get to Deuteronomy and it's the very end of Moses' life when he is about to make a handoff to another leader, and it's a transition that's handled pretty well. So Joseph to Moses, eh, not so much. But Moses to Joshua handled pretty well. And most of the book of Deuteronomy, like you've ever read it in your life, it's just a series of speeches that are basically the last few months of Moses' life. These are the things that he's trying to say to Joshua and to the people to guard that transition. And so he starts off, let me just kind of briefly go through it. He starts off talking about um, verse uh, 1 of chapter 31, Deuteronomy 31. So Moses, and I, this is a lot, so I didn't put it up there. So Moses continued to speak these words into Israel, and here's the clue as to why it's time for a transition. Number one, and he said, I'm 120 years old. Now, some of us feel 120 years old, but he was. And he said, I'm no longer able to go out and come in. There were some physical problems. He was showing his age. He wasn't to be the one who was going to be the leader for the next season. And then he says something interesting, number two. He said, and the Lord has said to me, you're not going to go across this river. You're not going to be the guy. You're not going to be the one. I'm not going to be the one to go to Georgia Tech and study architecture or to ever go to Georgia Tech because you have to do math. Yeah, I, I'm not the one who's going to go and, and be the, the next generation of leaders. That's you guys. And, and you're not the ones to be the next upperclassmen at whatever high school you just told us you were graduating from. You're not the ones to uh, play on the facts uh, and the football team at high school anymore. Those days are gone. They're behind you. 
The days are behind Moses to be the leader, and now there has to be a transition. Now there has to be, it's time to leave that behind and go across the river to something else. And God said, Moses, you're not the one to do it. If you want to get all the backstory, you're going to have to read Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, which lead to here like you ever would. But it's fascinating. So it wasn't that season. It was time to transition to somebody else. And so down all the way down to verse 7, then Moses summoned Joshua. He said, it's time. It's time to make this transition. It's time. He says, be strong and courageous. He says that a lot. So apparently, Joshua needed a bit of a pep talk. He says, you shall go with these people into the land the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put possession put them in possession of it. Then verse 9, it says, he read them the law. He gave it to the priests. He said, read this every seven years. Verse 12, he said, assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and uh, all the visitors within your town so that they may learn to hear and fear the Lord your God. Be careful to do all the words and that their children who have not known it may hear to learn to fear the Lord your God. Uh, that, that's, that's really pretty fascinating, and, and Brian kind of gave us the clue to it that, that when they finally did cross the river, the, the, the God did the same thing as He did back with Moses. He parted the Red Sea for Moses to walk across to escape Egypt, and now He's going to part the Jordan River in very much the same way. You see what He's doing? He's making sure that each generation gets their own miracle, and that happens today. And so he said, you, you're going to get these rocks, and you're going to build a little altar. And so in the future, when your children ask, not if, when your children ask, you tell them, those smooth river rocks, you're right. They don't belong here on the land. Let me tell you what God did that day. Where do you think Joshua learned that? Well, way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, when, when God was celebrating with them that they had left slavery in Egypt, He said, here's some things I want you to do. I want you to make a binding for your hand. I want you to make a binding for your head. I want you to put some things on the doorpost of your house so that when your children ask, you tell them. Almost the exact same words in Deuteronomy 6 as in Joshua 6. Almost the same words. So Joshua picked him up from his mentor. He, he, he hung on to the lessons, and he guarded the transition. Well, the story goes on. Joshua uh, leads the people to the promised land. Moses dies in what is now modern-day Jordan. Uh, he could see uh, the other side of the river, but he never went there. And that is so true with those of us who are leaders. We can see what the Lord's going to do, but it's just not our place to lead there. And for high school students, I don't know if any of you will ever become a pastor. Don't rule it out. I don't know that any of you would ever become missionaries. Don't rule it out. I don't know that any of you would, uh, or would design great churches or engineer or, or create spaces or whatever it is. Somebody had to design all this. I, I don't know what the Lord has for you but I know that it's you and not me, you and not Brian, you and not the people who have led your R groups, you and the people who, it's you, it's your turn. So for all of us who are in transitions, 
Let me give you 10 takeaways. Brian, come up here and help me. Uh, let me find you something on the list. Uh, Brian uh, gave us a great start, and, and we're going to kind of go back and forth with this. And, and I want to show you the, the, the list of things that just came to my mind to talk about transitions. Number one, prepare for transition before you're in transition. Prepare before you get there. Make up your mind before you go to college the kind of things you will or won't do in college. The, make up your mind before you take the new job how you're going to treat others in the workplace. Make up your mind before you move to the new city how you will act towards your neighbors. Make up your mind before you get in the transition. That's, that's why Moses spent the entire book of Deuteronomy giving speeches. He said, I want to make sure that you prepare for the transition before you're in the transition. Brian, take the next one. Yeah, know that God is with you in the transitions. I can't imagine what it was like for the nation of Israel. They were, they were trapped in Israel for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And God pulls them out. And then for 40 years, they wander in the wilderness. And you can read about how they start to grumble and they start to complain. And they start to say, it would be better for us to go back into captivity instead of the promise that God has for us. The truth is, sometimes in that transition, it's easy to feel like you're alone. When you move into that new job, it's easy to feel alone. When you guys go to school and suddenly there's not churches trying to get you to show up to all your events and there aren't people pursuing you. It's easy to feel like you're all alone. And there's great wisdom to remember that when you're wandering in the wilderness, even if no one is walking beside you, that God is with you. In the middle of the transition, he is still walking with us. He's still walking with you. And then you're in a new place. A business guru one time said that when the paradigm shifts, everything resets to zero. When you're at college, I, I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, my family moved from Dallas to here. Yes, I'm a native Texan. And uh, we moved here, and I went into Clarkston High School. Uh, it was actually the last month of my freshman year. We moved in the, the last month of the school year. And I walked into Clarkston High School, and I remember saying to myself, I can be whoever I want to be. Nobody knows me here. Nobody knows what I did. Nobody knows what I didn't do. I can make a decision right now who I want to be. I have a fresh start. And that's so true with many of our transitions. We get to leave the baggage behind. We get to leave the old job behind in the new job, the old neighborhood, the old house with all its problems. We get to have a new house with all new problems. But we get a fresh start, and, and I want to encourage seniors, you get a fresh start, but you get to be whoever you want to be. Just make sure that's who you want to be. Yeah, don't forget the lessons that you learned on the other side of the river. We, we talked about this. Students especially, don't forget what God's done. It's easy. It's wild. It's wild how you can have a moment with God that is so meaningful and is so powerful, and a month later, it was just something you wrote in your journal, and it doesn't feel real anymore. Don't forget it. Take, uh, take time, practice this. Parents, model this for your family, for your students. You know, the, the people who still have students, kids at home, practice this. Whenever God moves in your family, like take a moment as a family to celebrate the work that God did so we don't forget. Also, just, just side note, th there would be nothing to, to memorialize if the Israelites didn't walk across that river in the first place. Parents, family, adults in our church, you gotta be the people who show us how we take those steps of faith. 
You got to be the people when God calls you to be a missionary, you go so we can show the students, look, there's someone who did it. They went ahead of us. You got to be willing to have the kind of faith that is going to walk from the wilderness into what God has promised you. To be able to remember what God has done, you have to actually take that journey across the river in the first place. And that's true for all of us. What's that step of faith God is calling us to? Are we willing to walk across that river? We talked about the last one on that last list. We're raising kids to be adults, not kids. I, I love this one. You're a link in the chain. You're a link, right? You guys, I don't know if it's ever crossed your mind to look behind you and say, hey, there's younger kids behind you, and they watch and imitate most of what you do. Scary. Scary that we who are trying to act like adults know that people watch what we do and imitate it. I was fascinated this week when I was studying to learn what the weakest link is. Does anybody know the, the origin of that phrase? Apparently, it came from the Navy, and it's the last link on the anchor chain. And the reason it's called the weakest link is that it's designed that when the anchor, the heavy anchor, is fed over the side of the boat, it's supposed to hit bottom. It's supposed to, that's why it's called an anchor. You know, if it's just swinging in the sea, that's not anchoring anything. So it's supposed to land, and then the chain wraps around it, and it secures the boat in one place. But if they miscalculate it and it's too deep, that anchor is so heavy that it would do enormous damage to the deck if the anchor played all the way out. So the last link in the chain is meant to break. When so much stress is placed on it, it is meant to break. Everybody here is a link in the chain, but you are not designed to break. You are designed to hold firm because God is with you wherever it is that you can go. But it's, it's one of the most refreshing and, um, I don't know, honesty-producing moments when all of us realize that everybody is somebody's hero. Somebody is looking at you for their cues socially, mentally, spiritually. You're a link in the chain. You're just not the weakest link. We talked about this. I'm sorry. That was on me, I think. <laughs> They're like, stop talking, Brian. The, we talked about this with the seniors earlier, that um, it is easy for also for us to forget the kind of people we want to be. Like students, families, take a moment and, and just imagine, like, this is the kind of faith I want to have. This is the kind of family I want to form. This is the kind of job I want to be a part of. This is the kind of person I hope to be, like my character. And here's what's true. To see those things happen in your life, you got to keep looking for them. You have to keep aiming for them. Uh, you will most often hit something that you're aiming at. Rarely do you hit something that you want if you're not aiming at it. If you want to see something happen, you need to try to continue to focus on it. Like we said in the transitions, it's easy to get mixed up in new friends and new opportunities and new situations. But if you can remember the thing that you ultimately want, you focus on those things. It'll give you strength and courage as you walk through those seasons of transitions. Two great questions. In every transition, number one, how has God prepared me for this? Who did he put in your life? What resources have been collected? What similar trials have you already gone through? How has God prepared me for this transition? And the second great question is, what is God teaching me through that transition? Can I, can I stop just a moment and say, okay, I, I learned this, I learned this, I learned this, I learned not to do this. 
Two great questions of every transition. How has God prepared me and what is he teaching me? This won't make a whole lot of sense to you guys, uh, but Robert's son, Nathan, is like a bodybuilder. He's super strong. He's swole. And I asked him to teach me how to work out, and I have been. It doesn't look like it. That's what I'm saying. I know it doesn't look like it. I'm sorry, Sarah, but I'm trying. And here's, here's, what, here's what we learned from that, right? We grow stronger by carrying stress. More and more stress makes us bigger, makes us stronger, makes us prepared for, that, prepared for that next thing that we have to face. These transition seasons, the struggles that you'll experience when you go to different places, parents, as you move into that next phase of life, it'll feel like stress, but it is an opportunity to grow, to grow in your faith. The more you have to rely on God, the easier it is to rely on him the next time. The, the more you lean on your faith, the easier it is to trust it the, the next time. Every single transition, regardless of the, opportun- uh, the, 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 the struggle, is an opportunity for all of us to grow stronger in our faith and grow closer to our Father. Last one. Every transition's individual. I don't know if you noticed that on the top 10 list, every single one of them came from the story that we shared. Every single one of those came from the story of Moses handing off the leadership to Joshua, transitioning to the next great season in their lives and the life of Israel. Every single thing on that list came from that story. And the last one especially, the things that God did with Moses, He didn't do with Joshua. The things that God did with Joshua, He didn't do to the next leader. Uh, For you that have multiple children, kid one is not like kid two is not like kid three. The transition from high school to college is not like the transition from college to the workforce. is not like the transition from job one to job two, from city A to city B. Every transition is individual. And the, the wonderful thing about the promise that God is there is that none of it surprises Him. None of it surprises God that this transition is something that, that I've never felt before. And so let me guard the transition. Let me go to the other side of the river and remember the lessons. Let me remember that God is always with me. Let me remember that, that God has prepared me for this, that God is going to teach me in this. Let, let me re- remember that, that I, if I think of who I want to be, probably with God's help I can get there. Will it be easy? Of course not. And, and Joshua, all he faced on the other side of the river was Jericho. And he didn't even hear God's plan for him attacking Jericho yet. Stay tuned for that story. But every transition is individual. And I'll close with the last one. I can't even imagine transitions without God. And I know that some of you don't feel very close to God. And I know that some of you watching online, you, 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 it's just really common. We, we feel like our transition is so unique, God has left the building. He's not with us anymore. And part of the reason he's not with us anymore is that we've kind of made the decision we're going to handle this one without him. I'm going to do this transition without his help. I've got this, God. And there are people who have never asked God to help them at all. And one of the things he promises is that he will guard us in the transition from this life to the next life. We did another funeral on Saturday. And every time we do one of those, we we speak of how God guards that transition. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that we would, whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have what? Eternal life. And if you have never in your whole life 
has said, God, I need you. I need you to guard this transition and every transition. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for forgiving me of my sins, for allowing me to walk with you as a disciple. Thank you for guarding my transitions in this life and even between this life and the next life. If you have never done that, can today be the day? Can today be the day that you find somebody in a green shirt in the lobby, find one of us as pastors down here in the front and say, I want to guard the transitions for the rest of my life, this one and the next one. I want Jesus in my life. It's the most important transition you can ever guard. I can't imagine without God. You know, we're real people around here. You know a lot of my story. You know Brian's story. You know that we've struggled in transitions that we're trying to watch in our own families. But we know that God is there, and I can't imagine what it would be like without Him. Painful, yes. Grueling, sometimes. Do I get impatient? Just like you guys are. But I can't imagine transition without Would you pray with me? Oh God, thank you for this day. This day when we can see a powerful illustration of how you're working in lives and how you've allowed us as a church to come alongside these students as they've migrated across the transition from preschool to grade school to middle school to high school. Now to whatever it is that you have for them, give them a vision for what it is that you want them to be and do and not be and not do, that they can be strong and courageous just like Moses told Joshua. God, help us in all of our transitions that we would leave you in it and not leave you out of it. And that if there's one or more in this room who have never ask you to guard their transitions through eternity by embracing you as Savior and inviting you into their lives. I pray this is the day that this is the day they would talk to someone and make that important decision. We love you, Father. We thank you for these seniors. I I add to Brian's prayer just a, a prayer that you will bless them that you will give them the friends that will lift them up, that you will put them in situations that allow them to be stretched and to serve and to look behind them and know that there are other links in the chain, that you would just uh, let them be all that you intended for them to be and that you would reveal something incredibly adventurous to each one of them because every transition is different. Lord, we lift them to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.